It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Hello, everybody. It is the Go Birds podcast. It is episode number 148. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope that beer and football and food all rest on your tummy. I hope you bust out um, either the Miracle Whip or the mayonnaise or whatever you're into, the midnight sandwich. Miracle Whip, to me, is only allowed once a year. Otherwise, it's disgusting and it needs to be thrown away. But for some reason, you know, midnight after a turkey has been cooked, Miracle Whip... Turkey on sandwiches are very good. I feel <laughs> like turkey sandwiches are better than turkey by itself. Um, I think I might agree with that. However, uh, let's just let's just get it out of the way. Um, I saw some people talking about it. If if on Thursday you say the turkey is not the best thing about Thanksgiving, um, then you, well, your dad, your mom, your brother, <laughs> your uncle, your aunt, just can't cook a bird. That's what I'm just saying. It's, you know, it's I, fine, but it's not like, <laughs> here's, here's how you know turkey's not that good, and this is probably a take a million people have had, and why do you only make it once a year? Uh, you know, a big bird like that? Yeah. I mean, because it's huge. It's not it's that a, much harder than making like a, you know, whatever other we types could of meat. We make people. chicken breast like every, uh, every, you but I'm know, saying, second. You really just put who the cooks bird a full in the oven chicken, for a while. You know? Yeah, but no you, really just, you really just put the turkey in the oven for a while. I mean, I've never made a turkey. Well, not so exactly I should say, how yeah. it goes, but I just think if people like turkey enough, they would put the time and effort into making it multiple times. It here. takes hours on end. What are you talking about to cook yeah, it? Hours a, on end. A it's not a week-long process. I mean, you just put it in. Who early. has hours to prep it? People use crock pots. Use the ba- you can't cook a turkey in a crock no, pot. No, I know, but I'm saying crock pots take a long time. Like you set it, and I mean, I guess you get to forget. Yeah, that, you can't. You can't forget the turkey. That's the only problem. I mean, I'm See, not making a turkey, so it doesn't matter. Right, Elliot's a prime example of why I know ham is better than turkey. Ham's easier to cook. Anybody can cook ham. And you can just take it out of the store. It's already pre-cooked. You just got to warm that shit back up. Here's, a, here's another take. I think that stuffing out of a box is better than stuffing that's cooked in the turkey. I think that's fair. There you go. Because there's really not a lot. And there's not a ton of difference between, you know, right. what, what you're actually stuffing. And you mix the two anyway, <laughs> more than likely, because you have a huge bird to, to gra- stuff. Gravy. Got to be thick. I don't Always. Like, I don't like a, yeah. a, a, a thin gravy. Man. Thick, Has thick that gravy. happened before to you? Because that's occasionally it's not oh, good. Uh, my, all mom, of... my mom doesn't listen to the pod, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> 
uh, that does that is not an issue uh, coming from the Midwest with all of that family. There's, I would picture that not being an issue. Out think in the gravy. Midwest, yeah. There's three different styles of turkeys that are made, and that's how I know if you're a good chef or not. I don't care about ham. Anybody can cook a steak. Like if you can't cook a steak, you're pretty. You're an idiot to begin with. I mean, steaks are overrated. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I don't know if they're overrated, but the uh, what tells me if you're a good chef or not a good baker is poultry. It's always like it has to be exactly right. You could go dry really quick it could be undercooked it could be pink it could be all those different things the bird is the word and that's why we're here how today. do you feel about scalloped potatoes love them i agree love scalloped better potatoes. than mashed potatoes <sighs> depending on who makes them could possibly yes i uh, prefer if it's just if they're both perfectly cooked yeah i'll take the mashed scallop po- yeah yeah i can see that i think yeah. scalloped potatoes are definitely harder to make yeah for sure well, i hope everyone out there enjoys their potatoes yeah. in whatever form <laughs> And give me your best dish uh, at Thanksgiving, too, at Go Bird Spot, at LHR Parks, at John Barchard. And like I was saying, like it's, it is it is turned in the, in just one Dan Orlovsky breakdown, which was dead on and correct and Absolutely. right. And uh, to everyone that tweeted me at it, I appreciate it. <laughs> I've seen the video. I think it has 750,000 views. I would yep. imagine 100,000 of them are people telling me to watch See, it. I told you. Uh, and, also, uh, shout out Bryce Treggs. Yeah. What's he up, Bryce? a good tweet. Yeah. Seems uh, like Bryce is, you know, he's what? He's like an agent now or he's doing something like something that, Something right? like that. Yeah. Bryce yeah. is working hard, man. He's a and great guy. I would almost go as, as far to say as, uh, one, those that criticized you didn't see it and didn't say anything until Bryce did. Okay. Because not everybody's an X and O's yeah. guy. It's hard not to just go, oh, that looked like Aunt Carson. I had said the same thing in our postgame pod. However... I feel like all of that just went. Oh, see, Dan's Dan's got it. That's it, it was everything it was yeah. fine about that game. You're going. Hold on a second. First of all, especially the JJ one. Uh, it is clear as day that Dallas Goddard is wide open and he doesn't throw it for some reason, and then looks to JJ late again. So, uh, still Carson Wentz's fault. <laughs> also, fo- football is definitely you know? football is definitely a complicated game. And when you watch it on Sundays, yes, you don't always see the intricacies of what's going on. No yeah. denying that. That being said, Eagles fans, just use your eyes. Like we all watch that game on Sunday. Right. We're all aware Carson was the biggest problem. Right. There was four turnovers. He did not play well. The coach said it. He said it. Were the receivers good? No, no, they were not. But Carson was the biggest issue on Sunday. Doesn't mean I hate Carson. If you're listening to this and you thought he was, it doesn't mean you hate Carson. When you argue about Carson Wentz with people, the people that are down on Carson do not hate Carson right now. Carson right. is not playing well. It's not a personal attack at Carson. It doesn't mean the receivers are great. Those things can both be true. But these videos now that are coming out, and I'm not even talking about the Dan Orzlowski one, but it's more of the narrative of, well, actually, it was the receivers. Like, no, just accept it. Carson didn't play well. It's fine. It doesn't mean he can't play well next week. But he's not playing at a high level right now, and it's the biggest issue with the team. And we can identify the problem a lot, you know, and that's pretty easy over the last couple of weeks here. How do you fix this, though? And it doesn't seem like there's any really good answers. I would say... Uh, I, 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 honestly, after reviewing it and seeing what Trey Thomas put out, and then being like, "With Dillard, hold on, let me let me see how long that he was basically tipping the play of beginning in his pass set and knowing that uh, it, well, Seattle knew that whenever a, a pass was coming, they knew when a run was coming. And by the way, it's for the entire fucking half, yeah. so that's not going <laughs> to do anything good for your offense as well. Um, I also think it's so- worth pointing out that. It's it's just hard to go from one tackle spot to the other. I mean, they they tried to move Lane to left tackle, remember? And he, he didn't play at a high level, and he's one of the right best right tackles in the league. I think that Dillard just... I blame the coaching staff more, honestly. Dillard tried to tell us. He said, 
going from right left to right is like trying to write with the other hand. And for everyone out there, we all know writing with the other hand, unless you're Not ambidextrous. Yeah, yeah, it's super hard to do. So um, I think he was set up to fail. Honestly, the coaching staff pulled him at halftime. I was surprised they did that just because of who he is. I mean, your your first round pick. I also think he's somebody. That I'm not saying his confidence is easily shaken, but I don't think you're, he's somebody that uh, it is rookie year. I mean, understandably, you, you can have shaky confidence at times. So I was I didn't like the idea to pull him, uh, but I also more didn't like the idea to put him over to the right tackle. Um, and that actually kind of reminded me of keeping that in context with Jordan Mailata because that's what they did to him mm-hmm. uh, this season as well. And if that feels you know, because we don't talk about him anymore because he's on IR. And, and Although I know Doug it's mentioned like, him for, on oh, Monday oh, yeah, interesting. as a p- potential option of taking him oh, off yeah, IR, but there's, there's no way they're going to take him <laughs> That's not happening. But. I mean, unless they're, they lose the next two games and maybe he plays week 17 yeah. or whatever, but I don't... My, if Jordan Mylott is playing this year, there lots of things have gone wrong. Yes, definitely. Um, and... That is, uh, it doesn't doesn't scare me about Andre Dillard uh, long term. This is kind of more or less what I've been saying for a couple of weeks now. Is even like Jason Peters, who's still he's not been playing bad at all. You no. know, but are you are you really planning for the future when Andre Dillard has to now like go play left and right tackle or yeah, like you're messing have, with Andre. He's in. He's there. Like right. this is this is part of it. It's a bodyguard, and that's that's. A Jeffrey Laurie call, so that's never going to change or whatever, and uh, nor nor really should it at this point. And I guess that's what what would you be doing differently right now, Elliot? Because I don't know how to really explain to anybody or have any good answers about what this offense can certainly change. I mean, you heard Doug yesterday kind of explain that Carson's strengths are right in uh, you know half field concepts, and a lot of the time, if um, if you're in bunch formations, it means, you know, uh, spot routes or uh, spot concepts, triangle, all that. So it's one, it's two, and then there's a third guy that normally is where you he breaks down and finds it and, you know, right. makes those big splash plays that we all uh, tend to love. But um, well, the t- I, I couldn't tell if that's like between that and Kevin Burkhardt's comments that they're well, that was very interesting. It. So the video that uh, – I mean, it was on the broadcast. I don't know if everybody heard it, but I saw a video of where um, who was calling the game. Kevin, Kevin Burkhardt. Kevin Burkhardt. Yeah, Charles said, Davis. Yeah, said that uh, Doug kind of said to them, and for some context, the head coach always meets with the announcers like the day before on Saturday or Friday. So they got a chance to sit down with Doug, and I guess he said something to the effect of, "We asked Doug Peterson about Wentz's decision making, and I thought he said something that was interesting. He said we have to continue to show him on film where the ball should go, but shouldn't he know that?" I would say that he should know that. I think a lot of times that he does know that, but he has an ability. I should say an ability. Part of the reason they were attracted to Carson Wentz was that he liked to throw the ball downfield, that he wanted to throw it to those guys. But you don't have the same guys downfield here. My guess is, and I'll give the announcers the benefit of the doubt, but I wonder if maybe he got lost in translation of Doug just saying, we got to keep coaching him up. We got to keep just helping him, right? But it sounded like what he said was, we continually have to explain to Carson where to go. And I think the, the one thing... The one change I would make right now is I would roll Carson out more. He's just not operating well from the pocket. His accuracy is not great. Carson's at his best right now when he's um, making it up on the fly, kind of. So I would try rolling him out, start using some tempo, that type of thing. But I do think, I'm not down on Doug, but I do think we we have to see start start seeing more creativity out of him because the quarterback's not playing well. Yeah, and, and to try and get creative is another thing that, I don't know where you can go either because I uh, 
uh, I know that this everyone James says this a lot. Like there's a lot of people that say, oh, Doug's just got to be more creative here. They got to open things up. How are you supposed to do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm going back to that. Your your right tackle. And maybe that's why you shouldn't have been started in the first place. And it's still Doug's fault is tipping everything you're doing. So that's going to throw off timing for everybody. Uh, you had Jay Ajayi basically start. I can't remember what the snaps ended up being, but didn't he have almost as equal to Miles Sanders? I mean, he had a big third down carry. Like they certainly yeah. put some. They they gave him a role for sure. Yeah. I don't remember what the snap counts were. Um, and then you are. Uh, oh, we didn't even. I can't believe it took us almost twelve minutes, but. You released Jordan Matthews too after this is like the and uh, Bo Wolf pointed out yeah. the three or fourth guy that has had massive massive snap counts and that is no longer well, on the and team. So I tweeted out saying that the release of Jordan Matthews says more about the front office than it does Jordan Matthews as a player, and I think people interpreted that to say I still think Jordan Matthews should be on the roster. And I'll be honest, like Jordan has not played well since he got here, just hasn't. Right. But this is now to Bo Wolf's point. This is now the fifth guy. It was Akeem Spence, Orlando Skandrick, Zach Brown, Andrew Sandejo, and Jordan Matthews that have played like 85-plus percent of the snaps the game before and then cut the next day. And that just speaks to how the the disconnect right now between the coaching staff and the front office. Like, why is Jordan Matthews playing so much one game and then being cut the next game? Like, it's just, it's weird. It's weird with Sandejo. It's weird with Akeem Spence. Like, the front office is not operating at a high level right now. You can even see that in the way that they bring in guys like Jordan Matthews and Jay Ajayi and guys that they know. Like, where's the creativity from them? And I, I agree I want to see more from Doug, but where's the creativity from the front office of, like, finding a good running back off the Titans practice squad? Right. Or bringing in a receiver off the street? I mean, claiming Josh Gordon's kind of a, a dumb move, but, like, where are the where are the under-the-radar moves that got this team to the Super Bowl in 2017? Like, they're, they're not making them anymore. No, uh, and... And who knows what's what's happening there? I don't know what they're planning. I don't know what they're. It, it, you you can go back to like the off season and see where they were at, and I don't think there was a lot of us that disagreed with bringing in Deshaun or mm-hmm. uh, Malik Jackson or any of those things. It's just they've not adjusted to their number one plan being okay. It's Deshaun Jackson show, and Carson will be fine with that. And honestly, I think his season would have been completely different if you had Deshaun here for. Seven games, eight yeah, but games. the flaw, I or mean, just the, one with the Patriots, or one with the uh, one with the, this past week on the, Sunday. The further we get away from it, though, it is crazy to think their main plan on offense was just to feature Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, like thirty-two years old, still a very good player, but has struggle, has trouble staying healthy. Very good receiver, probably he's better of a. He's not just a deep threat; he can do more. But obviously, his strength is going deep. Like. How did they build so much of the offense around him and then just completely change everything and have it collapse when he was gone? Like, that's the wild part to me, the further we get away from the Deshaun thing. And you watch this offense, like, they look like they have no plan, really. And I I think part of that is uh, Carson not playing well because Doug can call a play, but if Carson doesn't run it well, it doesn't really matter. If a receiver runs the wrong route, that type of thing. So I do think right now it's more execution, but it does seem like Doug and the offense had no backup plan for losing Deshaun, right. and now they're just making it up on the fly. I'm really surprised that they haven't gone to to your point. I mean, you can't roll out on every single play. but right. Unless you, you're Kirk Cousins playing. Well, that's true. Yeah. But you can run tempo, and that's I'm very surprised that they haven't gone into that. And when they ran tempo against Seattle at the end of the game, now – Granted, the game was kind of over. It wasn't. They were still kind and of. They're in playing it. prevent. Yeah, but I mean, crazy. so there's yeah. part of that. But they, I mean, Carson got going finally. So. Right. Also, Doug's comment of saying Carson played well outside of the turnovers. <laughs> it's like if you take away all the turnovers, it's all not that bad. Four turnovers. <laughs> like if it was one, then Sheesh. I could see that argument. But four, I mean, four, and then an additional lost fumble on top of that too. So you're just going like, 
I yeah yeah um I I don't think it's uh I didn't, anything's gonna get like corrected from Carson in the next you know couple of weeks which is again really unfortunate and that's kind of pointing towards development and that's been our main theme for the last few weeks here is just like this team is stuck in a we're trying to go for it and now we're now we're hurting our rookies our future quarterback and some others probably that are on the roster that I'm not even thinking about right now because it's not it has to start shifting in that direction I don't think you're at the point where you can go and look at a a practice squad or something else to like really enhance this team enhance this offense and you're just gonna have to roll with what you got hopefully Alshon gets healthy and uh, looks like that sounds like anyway that he's going to play against Miami to get so, going. So I didn't want to tweet this because I just yeah. didn't feel like dealing with people on it. But not trying to be a Greg Ward hater. Because Greg Ward, I respect the fact that he's gone from where he was to what he did, right? right. Like, making that transition is not easy. He was cut multiple times. He's still in the practice squad. Like I am happy for Greg Ward, the person. But the the Seahawks were really not covering Greg Ward. And when they did, they were covering with him a, a linebacker. So the idea that like Nelson Aguilar couldn't do what Greg Ward did is not true. If Aguilar lined up where Greg Ward was, he would have the same production. So I, I'm happy for Greg Ward. I would play him, but he's not like he's not better than Aguilar. He's not better than Alshon. You, you should still put those guys out there when they're ready. Because I heard James say that on the last pod of not putting Aguilar out. Yeah, there. Uh, I'm with you. But uh, even I said the same thing to you post game. I don't mind if he's in that spot. I don't mind if they're splitting snaps. I at this point with Aguilar. If you're if you're gonna give me a guy with confidence and hunger, hunger I'll take that but, but over than any type Nelson of skill set that he has. Too like hunger, confidence, like he has those things as well. He's just he for doesn't all, seem like it. He's being put in way tougher spots than Greg Ward is. Number one, of course he is. Right. So we have no idea how Greg Ward would perform in those. Nelson's had trouble with drops this year, absolutely. But he's still like if we want this offense to play better and we want Carson to succeed, you have to put the best players around him. So if, oh, if I agree. I, yeah, that's my only thing. I and I would develop I I like Greg Ward. I said I would have kept him on the roster in the 53 man. I just think like the reaction to him catching five of his first six passes, like the Seahawks were willing to let Greg Ward beat them. And clearly he didn't. <laughs> and it still didn't matter. He did not. Yeah. <laughs> uh I, yeah, I get that. I I uh and I think it's glaring that it is. It's more about Alshon than it is about Nelson. Anyway, Alshon, For sure. Alshon provides as much more security, the ability in the red zone, all of that. Well, he also impacts how defenses play the Eagles yeah. sometimes. Not not always, but no defense alters because of Nelson Aguilar. At, defenses will, you know, shade a uh, shade a safety over to Alshon's side. Like so, that he matters from that respect. I don't think Alshon's a better player than Nelson right now, but I just think defenses seem to respect him more. Oh, certainly. Um, so and, maybe that means he is a better player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I, and as they go into Miami, it's just going to be a, uh, and by the way, our schedule's going to be a little different, obviously, because Thanksgiving is is on Thursday right. when we normally record. So more, more than likely a late, a late Friday catch up with, you know, all the injuries and previews and things like that. But, um, the best thing that this team can do is is win these easy games and start gaining that confidence back in them. And I think that's the only thing that you can really hang your hat on um, when it comes to you know the the rest of the schedule and to try and boost the wide receivers: Greg Ward, Nelson, uh, Alshon, the offensive line, uh, Brandon Brooks, obviously going through his anxiety here too. Yes. And I thought that was 
very important for him to keep saying. And I wonder if that we're ever going to be comfortable in a day and age in the NFL where you take mental health and things like that into account as the physical stuff, because as little giants taught us, you know, it's all 90% mental, 10% physical. Man, I haven't seen that movie in forever. Um, but I, I think that's what's going to help is that they've got a, uh, so many cupcakes coming up here. And even if it ends up being tight games and non blowouts and the line keeps going up right now, um, I- I, I think, I, we're I think gonna, that'll help. I think we're going to learn in the next three weeks whether or not the Eagles are a playoff team. It, I think the next three games will dictate more than that Cowboys game will. Just because to beat these three games, the Eagles are going to have to play consistent football. They're not going to have to beat themselves, and they're not going to. They're just going to have to play at a high level, a higher level than their teams. And they haven't shown they can do those things consistently. So, do I think they could beat the Cowboys at home in one game? They probably wouldn't be favored, but they would have a chance to do that. Do I think they can string together three games in a row of three wins, even against bad teams? I'm less sure of that. It's not something they've done over the last year and a half. They constantly follow up a big win with an uninspiring performance or a bad loss. So these next three games, I I think, give the Eagles a really good opportunity. Also, from the perspective of when you look at this current roster compared to the 2017 roster, there's some differences. You could argue 2017 is more talented, especially now with the injuries. But a lot of the key players are still here. A lot of the same guys on defense. And Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are both playing at a high level. Malcolm Jenkins is playing at a high level. Like I think Jalen Mills and Ronald Darby are maybe playing the best they ever have in Eagles uniform. On offense, the offensive line is playing well. Lane being out and Brandon Brooks are different. But my overall point is this. The 2017 team was really good because each week they went on the field, they knew that they were going to beat that team. Like They were 9-1 and one to start right. the season. They won multiple games in a row. They blew guys out. They had so much confidence. And I know it sounds like a cliche, and I, I hate to do the whole, like, people that try harder win. Like I'm, That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I think it's important that when you go out on the field, you feel a ton of confidence. And these next three weeks give the Eagles a chance to get that more of a chance than they've had in a very long time. Like, go beat the Dolphins, beat beat Washington, beat the Giants, get some confidence. And then when you, if they win three straight and look even okay doing it, when they line up against the Cowboys at home after three straight, we'll be looking at this team so much differently. Oh, yeah. And everybody will have like th- that. Once you get down to uh, Dallas, if they do rip off three in a row, then that becomes like a playoff game and everybody will be excited about it. Um, and the, the funny thing is, speaking of Dallas, uh, and I think there are a lot of people that even uh, are making excuses for like Prescott and the way he played, and like he didn't well, play that well. Four, I mean, zero and four in close <laughs> games this year goes against my. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, oh, like, I yeah. wonder. Oh, and zero and two on on literal game winning drives. Yeah, and everybody's it's just going to blame the coach and be like, oh yeah, it's just it's just Jason Garrett. Well, I think because Dak's done it before, but regardless, you're right. Of, he's come of up course. small in those spots. The weird thing to me about everyone and Dak is rightfully having a great year, and they should be celebrating it, and they should be dunking it. What I can't figure out is he's having a phenomenal year. Analytics say that he's giving like his wide receivers the most expected points in the league this year, and yet they are a game over 500. Why is that? They have a bad head coach. Is it just Jason Garrett? I, I think it is just because when you look... So first of all, I think the fact that it was torrential rain in New England, they were probably yeah. lose a game either anyway, but I do think that impacted the Cowboys a lot. But also, I mean, the, the Vikings game is a prime example. Like... Dak's taking the team down the field. He's he's you know he's playing at a high level. He's feeling good, throwing the ball, and then you give it to Ezekiel Elliott two spots in a row, putting him in a tough fourth down situation. Then you call a play designed for Ezekiel Elliott. So I do think it's Jason Garrett. It's also Dak not winning the close games, but it's Jason Garrett to me. Yeah, I uh, 
I think there's a little. I think there's a little deck in there that doesn't get a, a lot of credit nationally for how he's handled some of those situations, which gives you a little glimpse in there. And that's why when it when it comes back to confidence and winning and all these other different things, you look at the Rams uh, and Jared Goff not being able to throw one touchdown in the in the month of November. Uh, Sean McVay is supposed to being this this massive offensive right. genius, and that's not happening. Well, it's a reminder that as poorly as Carson's playing. Things could be much worse. Well, yeah, I, I don't even know if that's worse, the same, or better, or anything. I'm just well, saying. Well, I think no touchdowns in the month of well, November. Well, yeah, no, that we'd, be, we'd be going crazy Carson right now. would be, I mean, benched. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, probably. Right? Yeah, I mean, he, no, no touchdowns. I, I, would, I would think about, well, I mean, if there was, I can't remember who's the I mean, backup. The pressure in, would be out. I don't know who it the is. Rams oh, it's Blake Bortles. Oh, it is. That's right. Yeah. yeah, if Blake Bortles takes your job, yeah, you're really in, you're really in some deep shit there. So, I only say that to to look at the rest of the NFC. Um, I mean, Jesus, uh, Lamar Jackson had a phenomenal night last night too. So that that's factored in for sure. But every team goes going through this. Every different team that's kind of winning. That's not that one or two upper echelon of San Francisco yep. or who Seattle. I guess at this point, even though they're not playing the greatest, I, I thought Seattle too just showed the difference between where Russell Wilson is. And it's not fair to compare Carson to him because Russell Wilson's been playing for a long time. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But I think it shows that what Carson can become is just like Russell Wilson's able to win games even when the pieces around him aren't playing well and the defense isn't great and all those things just because he's a veteran that knows how to win games. Like he's a guy to me, his season this year is a classic example of why quarterback win-loss record does matter. Like he just knows how to win. And I think Carson can get to that level because Carson's not there yet. It matters a lot more what's around him because he can't play at that level or really play mistake-free football to to secure those wins. Uh, The other thing that popped up today was Michael Vick kind of chiming in on FS1. Yes. And saying that Carson Wentz will not will fail in Philadelphia. Work out in Philadelphia. Fail. Like it's, it's he just, said yeah, fail. fail. Yeah. No, I said yeah, yeah. Uh, Add emphasis for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's you're going like oh man, and I I understand his reasoning, and I think he's more right than he is wrong. But what what did you make of that? It's going to be really hard for Carson to succeed in Philadelphia just because it's really hard to win a Super Bowl. And it's really hard to win the second one, as we're finding out. It's also going to be really hard to win it in the manner Nick Foles did. Now, if Carson overcomes all this and wins a Super Bowl, it'll certainly be an amazing moment. But what Vic's point was essentially was the, sh- the shadow of Foles will always be there. And he's dead right about that. I mean, the statues outside the stadium. There was a shrine last year by Chris Long. Just all those things like... Foles is still very much present around the Eagles, and that's going to be really, really hard for Carson to overcome. So when you say he's going to fail, it's not like Vic saying he'll never win a playoff game here. Like what Vic's saying he'll fail at is something that's extremely hard for anybody to accomplish, which is our expectations as fans. Well, or no, too, win, you know, yeah, and, a part and, of it, but also just winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, and yeah. and that is. Because even if he wins one, he's just tied with Foles. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. I mean, that's what people one. will say. I mean, that's what. No, then they'll say, well, and then they'll they'll give him more credit for the second one if he wins. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, one you're on probably right. Actually, yeah. once once that happens, I just think that there is a once that happens. There, there there's a yeah. There you yeah. go. There's, Speak it into existence. There's a great chance that that happens. Carson I, winning a Super Bowl? No, no, no. That oh. he fails in Philadelphia yeah, right. in that way, and it's not because of necessarily him or where they're at, but like this team. Although I, I would say, I mean, they turned this thing around in a year, in one offseason. Now, that was probably the most luckiest offseason that they've had, but the, the same thing kind of needs to happen again, except they need to start planning, you know, brick and mortar of what this team is going to look like in the next five years as opposed to 
this season and and we've discussed that a lot in terms of like what to do but even if to to go and do that again um is so so incredibly hard and we don't know what's coming in or out over the next two years either because um just like lamar jackson i mean they have helped him with weapons and they went and got you know mark ingram and they've they drafted and they just Hollywood coached Brown. a good scheme for him too. yeah like, oh, absolutely. And it's not taking a shot at lamar but yeah. like you just lamar is a unique incredibly athletic incredibly talented player but they're coaching the perfect scheme for him they it's, are it's the combination of like great coaching and great playing and right now the eagles aren't getting either of those no um and that's Probably the first steps of do you here is my other question. Do you think Mike Grow would take a demotion and go back to wide receiver and stay here? I uh, wide receivers coach is not yeah. You know, I mean, without say. knowing the pay implications, like let's say he's paid the same amount, I think he would consider it. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, if he gets fired, he's probably not getting another offensive coordinator job. <laughs> yeah. At least not right away. Right. Um, so and I, I'm sure he likes working here. I mean, it's a great organization to work for it's a cool place to live so i think he would consider it and they they could spin it too as like we're still how mike grow we need him to do this for yes, us yes it yeah. would be easy to spin it would be believable now they would well, be they're a, doing it anyway like doug and him or with the wide receivers it seems like now yes. every week after i think this. it's a possibility yeah um i think that's another thing that has to happen and then you've you've got to go find that next OC before he becomes an OC. Um, you also have to find the right wide receiver coach. That's also important because we've seen that the receiver coaches here, when when they're not coaching high level, you don't develop guys like like Nelson doesn't get considerably better. JJ is right. not ready to play like those type of things. Uh, and I, I I wonder how how long Carson has is is the other thing that you know because it is still he has another year. Yeah, and the shine has certainly come off, and I think that's great. Um, I, I, I t- my message is v- be as patient as you possibly can because we we get into these discussions about whence where it is. Well, it's it's going to be his fifth year in the league. It's going to be a sixth year in the league. It's going to be. Yeah. But we know that no playoff experience, two seasons that ended shortly, uh, and your backup won the the Super Bowl in there too. So it's not. Carson's you know, Wentz's story is very complicated. To say. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy. There's no like linear progression, and nor nor really is there in life or in football. Like it's it's right. always up and down, and I think that's why I feel okay about him long term. I'm certainly concerned, but I still feel good about him long term because of you know all of the different things. I don't think that there's one quarterback that can succeed missing their right and left. Or right, or to uh, right guard and right tackle, all their wide receivers. Like it's hard to do that, and I would actually question the myth of quarterbacks making their wide receivers better. I just don't think that's true. I don't think that's a a thing you can do. I now do. you can put you can make it easier for them to catch the ball. That is certain. You can do a, a bunch of different things to make wide receivers look better, but uh, I I don't think it has the type of impact as wide receivers helping out your quarterback. So I think the way that quarterbacks can make receivers better, and I think it's coaching staff too, but like with good schemes and good throws, and I think that San Francisco is a perfect example of this. Like Mike Shanahan's doing a great job scheming guys open. Jimmy Garoppolo is doing a great job of hitting them in stride. Like we can debate on the, you know, the JJ Arcega white side and completion on fourth down, all these things, but these players are certainly not being delivered consistently accurate balls in places where they have a chance to make plays in space. So I think in that way you can make receivers better. Sure. But outside of that, like 
you can't make a guy end up going who runs a four six make and going four three like that. No, you can't. But you the can't difference ha- between the, a four three and a four six, if you're in a good offense with an accurate pass, is not as bad as it is. But I'm saying asking Nelson Aguilar to track the ball the same way that Deshaun Jackson does, or to make Carson Wentz, uh, you know, be responsible for Nelly tracking the ball better. How do you do that? Well, be, well, okay. I first of all. <laughs> I think it's a myth that Aguilar can't track balls. I, I know. I'm saying, right. but clearly Deshaun is better than Yeah, him. but Deshaun might be the best player to ever do it in the history of the league. So right, it's, which, right. which is which I'm yeah, saying but, right. helps oh, yeah. Carson. But, that's an, yeah, yeah. but I guess my point is that's an extreme example. I mean, yeah, you're right. Carson and Doug can't make these guys catch the pass. They can't. Alshon Jeffrey, Jordan Matthews, same skill set essentially. Alshon right. Jeffrey's clearly better with those types of throws that yes. darting it at an eight-yard out where Carson can go fire it, you feel a little more but, comfortable without But you without see teams like the Patriots and like the, the Packers and those type of teams, like they don't have stud receivers. I, so I do think no, that... They just have the best tight end in the world forever, too. Well, and you Eagle, can tell the I mean, difference. the Eagles have a very good tight end. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that they can make them considerably better, but I do think that when you're building an offense, if I got to pick and choose like how I would rank them, okay, like... Obviously, quarterback, I would want a really good one of those first. Then offensive line. Maybe running back. Tight ends are different now. But like receiver would be low down the list because I think they're they're more easily replaceable than the other positions. Probably. But but they also are, I, I think, they're the, the ones that help the quarterback out most outside of, of you know protection offensive right. line. Like running the ball doesn't help the, the quarterback. I mean, it makes him not get killed. It, may, right. it helps the offensive line more than it does the QB. Well, it helps uh, unless him in you're the a way special that, one. It helps yeah, in yeah. the way that, I mean, if you're scoring points and getting first downs, well, that too. I mean, if they're, yeah, of course, and getting shorter fields and all that stuff. But I don't I don't think quarterbacks can really elevate wide receivers as much as we we, well, we think Car- we Carson can. Carson certainly can't. No, so. Well, name, name one that does. That's what I'm Tom saying. Tom Brady. M- maybe. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I guess. How does he? Ben Roethlisberger. They always find seem to have good receivers. How come? There. How come MVS didn't work out for him as a deep threat? Then if he makes them better, now well, that, but that's one example. Form. I'm just saying, right? Yeah. I mean, there's I, not. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger helped Antonio Brown. No, but they, I don't think he helped Mike Wallace. You no, know, like, well, I maybe. I mean, Mike hasn't had a ton of success after that. But like, all right. He gets to he go to Miami after Pittsburgh. Baltimore. Yeah, I I, I just personally or think Miami qu- first, yeah. quarterbacks can make receivers better because your life is easier with a quarterback and you look better when you get the ball in stride, you get catchable passes, all those types of things. I mean, why why did receivers want to come play with Carson then? Well, that's normal stuff. That's what I'm saying. Yes, of course. Just you right. essentially all you're saying is just be accurate and hit saying, him in stride. Yes, I'm going. Yeah, I agree because it makes them look better. My point is not that. Carson can't make them faster or catch better, but if you're catching 70 passes for one team versus 30 for another, and it's simply because the quarterback and the offensive scheme, you look like a better receiver, is my, my point. Certainly. I, I, uh, they can't make them more talented, but they can make them more productive, and they can make them seem like they're better. I don't think you can create explosive plays without it. That's, what, that's all I mean. I don't think that there's some magic way that this offense can you know, well, suddenly move the ball at will with what it has. I think it's impossible to well, do. With, with perfectly drawn up plays and passes, it would be easier. But you're right. It's it's like, you look, you, the Eagles have the slowest, the Eagles probably trotted out the slowest set of skill position players in the NFL. Yeah. Maybe even the slowest offense, period. Like Carson's very athletic, but he's not like a, a speedster. So you're right. When you're slow on offense every position, it's very hard to do. I agree with that. Uh, I know you have to go because Baldy wants to talk to you. When, uh, right. Prevent defense pod. Right on the oldradio.com if you guys are interested in listening to kind of the, the look overall with the league between Elliot and Brian Baldinger. But, Basically like the audio version of his Baldy breakdowns. Yeah, which is which is definitely a must good, listen yeah. to. Um, 
tell me what you are thankful for from this Eagles season. From this Eagles season? Yeah. Um, well, my initial one was going to be I appreciate, and this is going to sound corny, but I do appreciate everyone that actually takes time to leave reviews on the Absolutely. pod. I enjoy reading them. I keep a browser open in my, uh, I keep a tab open in my browser and I update it all the time. So I read them, even the mean ones, I still read them all the time. <laughs> um, I'm, I, so I am genuinely thankful for that. When it comes to the Eagles season, whew, um, man, <laughs> uh, I don't for, know. For, for, for some of your takes, the fact that Jordan Matthews came back Jordan for a Matthews came back, but it didn't work out great. <laughs> uh, I would say like Jalen Mills coming back and being healthy. I mean, he's a he's a good guy. He had a year off, which was tough. It's in a yeah. contract year. So for him to come back and play well. Um, I also think just Carson staying healthy has made this season more interesting because it, uh, I'm thankful for the ability to talk about him. Yeah. Um, I uh, echo the same things. Like this is kind of crazy that you guys listen to us and i can't believe that people actually still listen to us which is like well i can we're the best something so. uh something that's been <laughs> happening for a very long time so i am so thankful for you guys more importantly i am thankful that we're fucking back we are back we want uh college breakdowns we're looking at wide receivers again we're arguing about the quarterback the fan base the clouds the polish whatever you want to call it the super bowl haze is finally gone. We can start arguing about special teamers again in the offseason. Uh, I want to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Cook that bird right. And if they don't, uh, let them know that I'll yell at you. In fact, I'll even issue a challenge. Thanks to our good friends at liquiddeath.com. We can go and save $2 on a case right now. Liquiddeath.com slash go birds. Or if you haven't tried it out yet and you feel comfortable selling your soul for a free case of water, you can do that. Liquiddeath.com dot com is uh, where you do it. But if you somehow sneak liquid death onto your Thanksgiving table, uh, I will make sure that you either a can come in studio and hang out with us during a radio show or B uh, will invite you on the pod if you're not in the area and we'll do something fun in the offseason. But the best the best picture that we see uh, whether that's on, you know, well, no, let's make it a, a Twitter thing at go birds pod yeah. at liquid death have to have both tags in there, put it on your Thanksgiving table somewhere and uh, we'll invite you out to come hang out with us to uh, be a part of the radio show uh, or the podcast. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Good luck to everybody that is still in the, the uh, point spread leagues. Uh, I know it's getting close there too. And uh, we will uh, have more for you on Friday. And, uh, Elliot, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for yep. uh, hanging out today. Uh, I'm John Barchard. That is Elliot Shore Parks. This has been the Go Birds Pod right here. Radio.com, Sports Radio 94 WIP.